Happy Friday, everybody. It is Friday, January 28th, 2022. This is the Second Half Podcast. I'm Tom Powell, and if you're listening to this, as always, that means you made it through another week and margaritas are in order. Especially if you live in one of the northern states, because it has been cold as fuck. Up here in the Chicagoland area, we have been freezing our baguettes off. Um... This is the part of the show where I talk to the people who have found me for the very first time and do a little bit of housekeeping really quickly. If you have found this podcast for the first time, as I mentioned, my name is Tom Powell. Uh, this is an amateur podcast, and you need to be made aware that there's going to be some background noises. My dogs might bark at the UPS guy. You might hear me light this joint. I might pass wind. It's not done in a studio. It's not edited and mixed. It's not professional. It's not meant to be that way. It's meant to be like two people sitting on the deck shooting the shit. Just roll with it if you hear some background noises. Also, if you're finding me for the very first time, chances are you don't know anything about my website. So if you have a moment, swing by oldhippymedia.com. That's oldhippiemedia.com. There you'll find everything you want to know about me, including my blog, Links where you can follow me on the various social media sites. A link where you can subscribe to my Patreon subscription service. If you like this podcast, which is free and done every Friday, I do bonus podcast episodes every other Tuesday on my Patreon service where I give you more uh, stories from my past and more non-political news stories. You're also going to find a link on where you can uh, uh, buy my first two books in paperback or ebook formats. They are A Grateful Life, The Life Story of a Husband, Father, and Taco-Loving Deadhead, and Dearest Renee, Letters from the Coronavirus War of 2020. I also have a link there. Oh, there you go. There's my shark vacuum going off in the background. Hey, hear it? Background noise extraordinary. It's because it's being done in a bedroom in a house in the Chicago suburbs, folks, not a, not a studio. Uh, at that website, you're also going to find a link to my merch store, my e-commerce store. Over 300 items for you to choose from. T-shirts and hoodies and sweatpants and coasters and aprons and face masks and all kinds of shit. Once again, that's oldhippymedia.com. Now, before we get into the crux of everything we're going to talk about this week, a warning. There are going to be a few stories this week, including uh, my first story about football, in which I'm going to do some yelling. You might see spikes in volume, so watch your ears if you're listening to this with earbuds. I'm just giving you fair warning. I am going to scream, and it's going to be out of nowhere, and it's going to spike in your ears. Just know you've been warned, okay? All right, so as we do every week during the football season, I give you picks sure to go wrong. This week is no exception with conference championship weekend upon us. If you've been following me for any period of time, you know that my picks this year during the regular season sucked balls. I finished just barely above 500 for the year with my regular season picks, but I have redeemed myself in the postseason. Going 6-0 and in Wild Card Weekend and 4-0 and last week during the divisional round, making my combined postseason record in picking football games so far this year 10 and oh, and I got to tell you something, I'm a tad fucking salty about it. Why am I salty about it? I saw a news story this past week of a gentleman who had the exact same picks for divisional round weekend. Four and oh. Three road teams. We both picked three road teams to win. That doesn't happen. And we went four and oh. 
The difference between us? He placed a $5,000 parlay bet, and he walked away with over 163 fucking grand. I mean, don't get me wrong. I got my fucking balls touched at one point in time this week, but uh, 163 grand. I think my wife would have liked that a lot better. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know how fucking pissed I am to know I could have walked away with over 163,000 dollars had I just pulled 5,000 dollars out of the bank and said, you know what? I'm going to roll with these unbelievably hard picks here. Nobody picks three road teams. Nobody. I'm, yeah, I'm tooting my own horn because that was some impressive ass shit. You got to admit that. Quick NFL notes before we get into the picks. Uh, ben Roethlisberger of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Big Ben, has retired after 18 seasons and two Super Bowls. In addition to that, the Chicago Bears, even though I'm not a Bears fan, I am a Colts fan. I live in Bears territory, so Bears news is at the forefront forefront for us all the time. The Bears have hired a new general manager and head coach. And in typical Bears fashion, they missed the fucking mark. They went, they went out and hired as their head coach the Colts defensive coordinator. Now, is he a good defensive coordinator? Yeah, he is. He's been killing it down in Indianapolis. Hate to see him go. That's not the reason it's a dumb move, though. The reason it's a dumb move is because the the Bears just went out and got a young stud running quarterback in the draft. Justin Fields, that's their new guy. This guy needs an offensive mind to guide him and shape him and turn him into what the Bears have never had, which is a franchise quarterback. But Tom, they had Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon wasn't a franchise quarterback. He was good for a couple of years, and he was loud. He put himself in front of the cameras. That's it. So when they need an offensive mind to shape their newly drafted young quarterback, what do they do? They go out and they get a defensive-minded coach. They are going to destroy Justin Fields. He's going to be a waste. He's going to end up being a bust. And in six years, the Bears are going to be rebuilding again. Mark my words. All right. On to the conference championship picks. First, we have the Bengals playing the Chiefs. And who the fuck had the Bengals going all the way to the conference championship game at the beginning of the playoffs? I mean, who outside of Cincinnati had them going? Nobody. Listen to me. The Bengals have a fuck ton of really, really, really good young talent on their team. And they are going to be a force to be reckoned with for years to come, but they do not have enough to beat this Chiefs team in this AFC Championship game in this stadium. Chiefs win and return to the Super Bowl. Which is going to be impressive because the Bengals are damn good and the Bills are damn good. Which means they will have run over two very good teams in order to get there this year. The late game features the San Francisco 49ers who are on a up against the L.A. Rams in L.A. The 49ers, while being on a tear, have Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. And Jimmy Garoppolo's been winning in the postseason, don't get me wrong. But this year, he's won two playoff games 
with zero touchdowns and two interceptions. All time for his career, he's 4-1 and one in the postseason with two touchdowns and five interceptions. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not going to get it done in L.A. This L.A. team is good. They're playing at home. Matt Stafford, who was the quarterback that languished in Detroit for all those years, couldn't even make it to the fucking playoffs, finally is on a winning team, and he's a game away from going to his first-ever Super Bowl, probably within a year or two of him being able to retire altogether. He's hungry. The Rams are good. Their defense is unfucking believable 49ers don't have enough to get it done in this game. Rams win. So the Super Bowl, I believe, is going to be a rematch of a couple of years ago. Chiefs and Rams. This time, Rams get home field advantage as the Super Bowl will be played in L.A. There are your conference championship picks, ladies and gentlemen. All right, before we get into the political stuff, let me start with some non-political news for a change and discuss the case of the fugitive cruise ship, if I could, please. I don't know if you guys have heard about this one, but a luxury cruise ship that was scheduled to dock in Miami this past weekend made a surprise detour to the Bahamas after a U.S. judge ordered it to be seized as part of a lawsuit over unpaid fuel bills. The Crystal Symphony was supposed to wrap up its Caribbean voyage on uh, Saturday in Miami, Florida, according to operator Crystal Cruises. The online tracker, Cruise Mapper, clocked it Monday afternoon, local time, at a port in Bimini, the part of the Bahamas closest to mainland U.S. The change in plans appears to have been triggered by a lawsuit filed against the cruise line in a Miami federal court on Wednesday. The company, called Peninsula Petroleum Far East, sued Crystal Cruises and Star Cruises, which are both owned by Genting Hong Kong, and the Crystal Symphony ship, accusing the vessel and its managers of breach of maritime contract and asking the court to take it into custody. You know you fucked up when the repo guy is coming to take your cruise ship. This isn't swinging by to pick up a big screen TV, throwing it in the back of a U-Haul truck and taking it back to Rent-A-Center. It's a fucking cruise ship. The six-page filing says that the entities owe a combined $4.6 million in fuel. Huh? How the fuck are you going to be out on a cruise ship in a high, on the high seas in the middle of the Caribbean? Partying your fucking ass off, eating your fucking food, drinking your fucking alcohol. All the while, you got a $4.6 million unpaid fuel bill. Ballsy on the part of the captain, by the way, to just skip out and go dock in fucking Bahamas. We're just going to hide out over here for a little while. I mean, it's a fucking cruise ship. It's not like you can just tuck it into some fucking cove somewhere and throw a tarp over it and keep it hidden. Crystal Cruises announced the same day that the cruise ship detoured to uh, the Bahamas that it would suspend operations for its ocean and expedition ships through the end of April and for its river cruises through the end of May, saying the decision would give the company's management time to evaluate the state of business and potential future options. Let me tell you what your future options are. Pay your bills or go out of business. Those are your fucking options. As of last Saturday night, 300 of the guests were transferred by ferry port 
uh, sorry, by ferry to a port in Port Everglades in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The cruise line arranged ground transportation to local airports as well. A percentage of the crew members got off the ship as their contracts had ended, but another 400 crew members say they don't know when they'll be off the ship and if they'll have a job when all is said and done. Can you imagine? Your company's about ready to go under. You're like, fuck, this sucks. But you're trapped. You can't go anywhere. Why? Because your job's on a cruise ship and the pri- and a, the captain decided to become a pirate and take the cruise ship and go hide in another fucking country. I mean, I guess if you're going to be stranded knowing that your job is over and you're going to have to figure out a way to live moving forward, it might as well be in the Bahamas, right? Not that it's that fucking spectacular down in the Bahamas right now either. I mean, Florida's experienced a cold front right now where they've, they're waking up to temps in the 30s and frost on the ground. So it's not like you can even party it up on the beach in the Bahamas right now, but at least you're in the Bahamas, I guess. Jesus fucking Christ, man. Just took off with a cruise ship. And a fuck ton of passengers and crew members. No no regard for anybody out there. Just protect the ship. <clears throat> Fucking people, I swear to God. It never ceases to amaze me. You flip on the news, you see something like this, and you go, Huh. world just keeps getting weirder and weirder. All right. Moving on from that, let's get into some local Illinois politics real quickly before we get into national politics. Uh, Governor, Governor, wow, first day with the new lips, yeah. Governor J.B. Pritzker vetoed legislation on Monday that would have guaranteed COVID-19-related sick leave for school employees while signaling support for a compromise plan that would limit compensation to only those who are fully vaccinated. Pritzker and leaders of the state's two largest teachers' unions have been huddling for weeks with the unions urging Pritzker to sign the School Employee Benefit and Wage Protection Bill after it passed with strong bipartisan support in October. Proponents say the measure was needed to support educators, especially those with young families, who are being forced to use all of their sick days if they or their children contracted the virus or were required to quarantine. But the bill's been languishing on the governor's desk for months, with opponents saying the measure could create a disincentive for those who are not vaccinated to get vaccinated. Official with Pritzker's office said that the statement in a statement on Monday that the governor and union leaders had, quote, negotiated a compromise that will keep students and teachers safely in the classroom without penalizing vaccinated employees for taking COVID-required sick time. Vaccinated employees. Quote, this collaborative effort, sorry, this collaborative initiative will provide paid administrative leave for education employees who, despite doing all they can to help themselves and their communities safe, continue to have their lives and livelihoods disrupted by COVID-19. Kathy Griffin, president of the United, whoa, not the United, the Illinois Education Association, and no, not Kathy Griffith, not the one that held up a Trump head, not the comedian, Kathy Griffin, 
president of Illinois Education Association, who had long championed the original proposal, said, quote, keeping schools open and those inside them and their families safe has been our number one priority from the start of the pandemic. We want people to stay home when they're sick, to be able to care for their children when their children need them the most, and to be paid when the circumstances that close their buildings are completely beyond their, their uh, control. Quote, this bill protects schools, sorry, school and university employees and all those they teach, drive to and from school, feed and care for in so many ways. Dan Montgomery, president of Illinois Federation of Teachers, said the, quote, pandemic has been physically, emotionally, and economically challenging for all of us, and certainly no less for educators, school staff, and their families. This legislation provides important relief and ensures that education personnel can afford to take time off if they or their families become ill with COVID. The joint initiative, if passed, would provide paid administrative leave for every employee of a public school district who is, quote, fully vaccinated or has received the required doses to become fully vaccinated within five weeks of passage of the law. It applies to anyone, quote, who is required or whose child is required to be excluded from school because of a positive COVID-19 test result or close contact with a person who had a confirmed case of COVID-19, end quote. If passed, the law would also provide pay for fully vaccinated employees who are required by, quote, the school or school district policy to be excluded from school district property due to COVID-19 symptoms, end quote. So what are my thoughts as somebody who lives in the state of Illinois, has school-aged children, but is not a school employee? I have no problem with the original bill. I think teachers, staff, and students need to be protected. But if J.B. Pritzker can get this negotiated bill to where it's just for the vaccinated employees, I say do it. Why are we paying anybody when they have to stay home from COVID, for COVID, with COVID, as a result of COVID, when they refuse to take the steps necessary to help protect themselves. Push that shit back on them. Make that their responsibility. Make that their financial woe, their financial cross the bird to bear. If you cannot get the compromise bill, sign the original bill. Protect the teachers. But if you can get the protection then do so. Now, he can't sign this bill as it's already been vetoed. But they can run it back through again and they can get it done again. We all know this can happen. I say if he can get the compromise bill, though, get the compromise bill. Protect those that are vaccinated and those that are unvaccinated. Let them fend for themselves. I am all for that. I am 100% behind that. Now, we got to take a little detour. We got to go into some religious news because... This is too good to pass up. Hang on. I got to hit this joint. We're going to talk about Jerry Falwell Jr., demonic offspring of self-appointed world savior Jerry Falwell, who did a Vanity Fair interview with his wife 
about the whole situation going on with himself, his wife, and all the scandalous bullshit they've been going through. Apparently, Jerry Falwell revealed in this interview that he began taking testosterone supplements in an effort to win back his wife from the Miami pool boy with whom she had been having an affair forever. This was one of many revelations that the Falwells uh, 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 revealed as they sat down with Gabriel Sherman for the Vanity Fair interview at their 500-acre Lynchburg farm. Quote, a former Miami pool boy named Giancarlo Granda claimed he had been nearly seven years in an affair with Falwell's wife, Becky. That Falwell often liked to watch them have sex. Granda went on a national media tour. He gave interviews to ABC News, CNN, Reuters, Politico, and the Washington Post. And he said that the Falwells began to groom him when he was 20 and bought his silence with luxury vacations, rides on Liberty University's private jet, and ownership stake managing a Miami beach hostel. To bolster his claims, Granda released screenshots of FaceTime calls and text conversations between he and Becky with such images of her saying, I'm not wearing any panties. Falwell released a statement that acknowledged Becky and Granda's relationship had happened, but he vehemently denied watching the trysts. Instead, he said he was the real victim of a fatal attraction type extortion plot after Granda demanded $2 million to keep the affair secret. The Falwells recounted how Becky Falwell and Granda grew closer in 2012. Quote, they swapped love songs over text. Becky said Granda sent her the songs Little Things by One Direction and Sideways by Citizen Cope whoever the fuck that is. Quote, around this time, she started signing her text to Granda, I love you. When Granda called, Becky snuck off to her talking session with Granda. Her unexplained absences became a running joke in the Falwell house, and her kids even had t-shirts printed that read, Where's Becky? Pause the fucking story. How bad is it when you're fucking around so openly that your kids are making t-shirts about you being out fucking the pool boy? That must have been some good dick. How good? Check this out. The couple actually went into business with Granda after Becky says she informed her husband of the affair. Quote, the only way I could do it was to detach Let it go on. I'm partly to blame, Falwell said. Quote, I was thinking maybe I was the reason she was lonely because I wasn't taking care of myself. Falwell described how he sought to win her back by saying that he, quote, hired a trainer, lifted weights, took testosterone supplements, and then later attributed a lot of the bullshit things that he said and did to the side effects of the hormones. No, no, no. Here's what happened, and you know what happened, because we've seen this story unfold before. You liked watching your wife get railed by other guys. You were into it. Your wife was into it because you don't know how to lay pipe. 
You don't know how to fuck your wife properly. So, you started finding other guys to raw dog your wife in front of you. Were you one of those cucks that sat in the corner and jerked off while your wife was getting fucking nailed? I bet you were, weren't you? Then, because you got sick and tired of looking for dick to satisfy Becky, you decided to find yourself a steady piece of sausage, and you groomed the pool boy. The only problem is, Becky liked it. The pool boy liked it. And they realized that they could be doing this shit without you watching. So they started fucking without you. And you got salty. You tried to bulk up. Urgh, I tried some testosterone. Gotta hit the gym, gotta get a personal trainer, gotta win my woman back. The only problem is, Jer Jer, Becky isn't into that. She doesn't give a fuck. All Becky cares about is getting fucked properly. You shouldn't have hired a trainer, you should have hired somebody to teach you how to fuck. Then things got out of control. You tried to break the whole thing off. You tried to say, that's it, that's going to end. You're not fucking the pool boy anymore. And the pool boy went, yeah, not only am I going to keep fucking your wife, but you're going to pay me $2 million million to do it. Or I'm going to tell the fucking world all about you. It's always the most religious among us, eh? Always the most uh, holier than thou that get caught doing this shit, right? It's always the religious crusaders that get caught in a fucking airport bathroom soliciting oral sex or in a, in a fucking brothel with a couple of prostitutes or, or on a Peruvian beach with a teenage boy or, in this case, with a Latino pool boy fucking your wife infinitely better than you ever could. Now, I say the most religious among us, but in that same Vanity Fair interview, the Falwells admitted that they're not religious. I I shit you not. Because of my last name, people think I'm a religious person, but I am not. That's a direct quote. My goal was to make them realize I was not my dad. Mission accomplished. Your dad was a piece of shit, but if he had some sexual deviance to him, he kept that shit under wraps. Your dad is best known for going to war with Larry Flint and Hustler Magazine. You're best known for sitting in a corner while the Latino pool boy raw dogs your wife. Yeah, you're not the same people. All right, on to some COVID news real quickly if we could. I got no way of transitioning out of that, so I might as well just fucking jerk hard right. No pun intended. Didn't even mean to say it that way. Seriously, that just came out of my mouth. Anyway, moving on. COVID news. A new study out of the University of Michigan shows that mask mandates in schools help slow the spread. And if this was a visual medium, you could see my shocked face. New data from the University of Michigan. I already read that sentence. My apology. Moving on to the next one. 
The State Health Department and the University of Michigan released a study showing that students who attended schools with mask requirements at the beginning of the school year had lower rates of coronavirus transmission than those at schools with mandates. The rate of infection reached an average of 45 cases per 100,000 students by late September in school districts with mask mandates, but the virus spread was 62% higher in school districts without mask mandates, where the infection rate averaged 73 cases per 100,000 students by late September. Bottom line, they're not 100% foolproof, but they fucking work. They do. They just fucking do. And I get it. Math is not an easy subject. I sucked at math. I'm not good at math. I can figure out how many yards of mulch you need for a bed or how many pallets of sod you need or how many cubic yards of soil you need for a job. But outside of that, I am horrible with math. Horrendous with math like i can't even begin to describe for you how bad i am with math but even i am not stupid enough to look at the data and go yeah the math don't work man they fucking do two years into this and we're still having to explain this to you fucking people put your fucking mask on Do I wear my mask everywhere in public? No, it depends on the scenario. It depends on the circumstances. It depends on where I'm at, what the infection rate is where I'm at, if there's a mask mandate in place where I'm at, what town I'm in, what state I'm in. It depends on a bunch of factors. But in schools where you have a group of people that get together every single day and you don't know where they go after they're in school, you need to have as much protection as humanly possible. And the data shows it's working. So shut the fuck up and mask your kids, especially if you happen to be a failed limousine owner turned semi-owner in the southwest suburbs of Chicago attempting to run for Congress, and you don't have kids in the school district, but yet you like to rail away against school mask mandates to the point where you hold failed political rallies at the state house capitol. Sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up. Mask your kids when they're going to school. And yeah, the cocksucker who I'm talking about should know who I'm talking about. And I guarantee you there's enough people in my area that listen to this podcast that somebody is going to show that bald-headed prick this podcast and go, you need to listen to this. Yeah, Mikey, I'm talking about you. Shut the fuck up. We're done listening to your bullshit. Find another fucking business to fail at, asshole. Seems to be the only thing you're good at. Yeah, motherfucker, we're in an election year. And if you think I'm going to keep my voice silent, you met the wrong motherfucker. I'm going to use my platforms to make sure everybody knows what a miserable, cocksucking freak you are. Welcome to the midterms, asshole. Now, moving on, let's get into some January 6th committee news. First up, we have Trump slamming the January 6th committee, which is not new. Anytime any organization or investigative body exposes the bullshit that Trump was involved in, he slams them. That's not new. But the reason he slammed the committee this time is laughable at best. After the committee requested an interview with Ivanka Trump, 
Trump's most famous offspring and focus of his perpetual wet dreams, Trump said, it's a disgrace what's going on. They're using these things to try and get people's minds off of how incompetently our country is being run, and they don't care. They'll go after children, end quote. Children? Motherfucker, Ivanka is 40. And the reason they want to talk to her is because they already have firsthand testimony stating that she went into the dining room at the White House where you were apparently gleefully watching the events of the Capitol unfold live on TV to beg you to do something to call it off, and you ignored her. I bet you if she popped a tit out, you would have fucking paid attention, you freak. No, the January 6th committee is not going after children. Going after children is what you and your buddy Epstein used to do for years. You remember when you told, told us all about how you like to walk in to the Miss Teen dressing room so you could see the teenage girls naked? There's at least one rape allegation against you right now from a 14-year-old girl who's already testified that she could accurately describe your dick because she's seen it when you raped her. And this doesn't even include all the times you talked about wanting to fuck your own daughter when she was just a little girl. That is going after children. What the January 6th committee is attempting to do is hold motherfuckers accountable. I know it's something you're not you're normally used to, but get ready. You're going to get used to it real fucking uh, well in the years to come. And speaking of the January 6th committee, we have Alex Jones, conspiracy pusher and human colostomy bag, who had testified before the January 6th committee and apparently pled the fifth almost a hundred times. Seems like most of Trump's most loyal foot soldiers are pleading the fifth. Remember when he said that only mobsters plead the fifth? I guess this has now essentially become the most famous mob case in American history then. You know, why did they want to talk to Alex Smith? Because Alex, or sorry, Alex Jones, not Smith, that's a quarterback, back up, Alex Jones. Well, because Alex Jones helped push the big lie, fomenting the anger, working people up into a frenzy leading up to January 6th. In a clip from his show on December 31st, 2020, a guest host named Matthew Bracken floated the idea of storming the Capitol to disrupt the ele- uh, election vote count. December 31st, 2020, over a year ago. When asked about that clip, Alex Jones didn't, didn't plead the Fifth Amend- uh, Amendment then. He answered that question, and he said he hadn't seen the clip. Bullshit. You haven't watched a clip in over a year of a guest host of your show that floated the idea of violently storming the Capitol building? Even after that event happened, as he floated the idea of it? Bullshit. As far as I'm concerned, the moment you said you hadn't seen that clip, you committed perjury in front of a congressional hearing. absolutely grotesque display by the people that are being called in to testify. They all know what they did. The very worst kinds of people, ladies and gentlemen. The very worst. 
And speaking of grotesque and the very worst kinds of people, can we briefly touch on what Rudy Giuliani is allegedly doing? Because he denies being part of this, but I don't know how he could deny being part of it. WABC Radio, where Giuliani has a regular show, is selling autographed 9-11 shirts for $911. No, I'm not making that story up. Now, we all know that Rudy Giuliani has essentially lost all credibility and is financially fucked because Trump used him like a cum sock and then tossed him to the side without uh, agreeing to pay for any of his legal bills. So Rudy is not only... um, uh, crushed from a uh, a reputation standpoint, but he's financially crushed. So he's got to figure out a way to make money. The dude can't even practice law in his home state because he's been stripped of that right. So I get it. He's got to try to make money any way he can. But really? Autographed 9-11 t-shirts for $911? What a grotesque farce. But something we've come accustomed to with these fucking assholes. I'd like to switch gears if I could for a minute, and I'd like to talk about some uh, some hypocrisy from Republican elected officials. Hypocrisy that is clear as day. Hypocrisy. Yet in the age of Trumpism, you can be this blatantly hypocritical and get away with it on the Republican side in the United States of America. First up, we have Indiana Republican Jim Banks. Jim Banks of Indiana took umbrage with the fact that Joe Biden was caught one time on a hot mic saying that stupid son of a bitch about one reporter. What did Jim Banks have to say about that? Well, he tweeted out what is quite possibly the dumbest rhetorical question ever when he tweeted out the following quote have we ever seen a president attack and malign the free press like joe biden has end quote are you fucking kidding me were you asleep during the entirety of the trump presidency fake news media pulling press presses lock them up getting people to surround the press pan pen at his fucking rallies are you fucking kidding me yeah we've seen a president attack and malign the free press way more than joe biden never has we just got rid of that sack of shit and apparently indiana needs to get rid of you i can't believe you had the balls to actually form that thought let alone type it out on twitter and actually hit tweet but if that wasn't hypocritical enough of Republicans, we have Josh Howley, Republican senator from Missouri and part-time mall mannequin, saying, quote, Democrats don't accept elections, they don't win. Huh? Motherfucker, you led the objections to Biden's victory being counted on January 6th. But where does such an idiotic statement come from? Well... 
when asked whether a failure to pass voting rights protections in Congress would render the 2022 midterm results illegitimate, Biden said that, quote, it all depends on whether or not we're able to make the case to the American people that some of this is being set up to try and alter the outcome of the election. <coughs> he later added, quote, the increase in the prospect of the election being illegitimate is in proportion to not being able to get these reforms passed. He's talking about the fact that in state after state after state that are run by Republicans, they're going after your right to vote because they have now reached the point where they realize they don't have enough votes to win. The demographics in this country have shifted. They haven't won the popular vote in years. They've only won it a couple of times in like the last 30 years. And in every midterm election, more Democrats than Republicans vote but gerrymandering keeps Republicans in the fucking game, and they are losing that edge, so now they just need to take your right to vote away from you. And that's what the voting reform bills are there to stop. But Holly took the Fox News and told Pete Hegseth, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his motherfucker's name, H-E-G-S-E-T-H, Peter, he told Pete, quote, what I heard was what Joe Biden said loud and clear, which is already making excuses for why he's going to lose in November. That's what this is all about. Democrats don't accept elections. They don't win. Bitch, please. 2015, all Trump talked about was rigged elections in case he lost. When asked when he was the actual nominee in 2016, will you accept the election results? His answer was only if I win. We are now a year detached from 2020, and you motherfuckers are still saying that it was rigged. You want to talk about not accepting elections that you lose in? You guys are the fucking case study. And the balls to say, he's already making excuses as to why he's going to lose in November. But you see, here's the thing. Republicans, supporters of these assholes, they know that they're the party that's doing this. They know that they're the party that doesn't accept the the election results when they lose. They know that they're the party that makes excuses ahead of their impending loss. But now they can say all that bullshit out in the open because Trump made it normal. He normalized lying to your fucking face with something that is so clearly bullshit that it can be called out by 10 million people on the spot. He normalized it. And here we are. This is the end result of normalizing that bullshit. Republicans just don't care anymore. They don't fucking care. About anything. Other than W's and L's. That's all they give a shit about. There is no moral focus. No moral compass. No moral fiber. It's all about W's and L's. Because that's what Trump made it about. You got to win at all costs. It's it's wins and losses. If we didn't win, we lost. And if we lost, then we're losers. So that's what it's all become about. Here, case in point, H.R. 4673. I did a TikTok about this this week. This is a bill that would have auto-enrolled qualifying veterans into the VA upon leaving the military. That's it. No pork added on. No extra bullshit. We're not going to name a bridge. We're not going to name a post office. We're not going to get $35,000 to study the migratory habits of butterfly uh, 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 colonies in Montana. Nothing. We're just going to fucking auto-enroll qualifying veterans as they leave the military. 
We're not talking about whether the VA is a good system or a bad system. We're just talking about if there's a veteran that's leaving the military and they want to be part of the VA, we're going to auto-enroll them. We're going to make it easy so that they don't lose out on the health care that they need. 44 Republicans voted for that bill. Over 160 voted against it, including veteran Dan Crenshaw of Texas. This is all about wins and losses at this point in time. They don't give a fuck about the veterans. They don't give a fuck about policy. They don't give a fuck about anything but wins and losses. And I hope somebody down in Texas that knows Dan Crenshaw plays this for him. Dan, you're a piece of shit. You're a fucking veteran who's voting against the best interests of veterans. If you're a veteran who votes against veterans in Congress, you <coughs> excuse me, should lose your veteran benefits for life. You're a shame on this country and a stain on the uniform you wore. I say it, I said it before and I'll say it again. You're a piece of shit. But I got to tell you something. There's some governors out there that got it even on you, man. Got it even on you. Let's talk lastly about some bills that state-level Republicans have passed and are trying to pass that are absolutely insane. Let's start in Virginia, where House Bill 781 has garnered a lot of attention in the last week. The initial social media response was to poke fun at the inaccuracy the bill referenced the historic debate between Abraham Lincoln and Stephen Douglas, but instead they wrote about the great debates between Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Uh, he, he would be the abolitionist, the abolitionist, not the politician. <clears throat> anyway, on Friday, the, the Virginia Division of Legislative Services claimed responsibility for that mistake and the state put the jokes to the side for a while. What's in the bill, and what does it do? Among other things, HB 781 would mandate that teachers do not, quote, teach or incorporate into any course or class any divisive concept. If these teachers, quote, knowingly and intentionally, unquote, violate these provisions of the bill, they could face a class four misdemeanor punishable by up to $250 fine. If this bill became law, teachers could also face termination or have their license revoked for such action. The bill offered the following 12 examples of, quote, divisive concepts that one race, religion, ethnicity, or sex is inherently superior to another race, religion, ethnicity, or sex. I don't think you're going to find teachers teaching that anywhere. An individual, by virtue of the individual's race, religion, ethnicity, or sex, is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. They don't want white people being viewed as racist anymore. <clears throat> Something we're going to talk about here in a minute when it comes to Florida. Number three, an individual should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment solely because of the individual's race, religion, ethnicity, or sex. 
The next one, members of one race, religion, ethnicity, or sex cannot or should not attempt to treat others without respect or race. It goes on and on and on. Number seven, an individual should feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of the individual individual's race, religion, ethnicity, or sex. Now, you know what that one's directed towards? That one's directed towards not teaching CRT. They don't want white people feeling uncomfortable teaching white history and the bad things that happened in it. One of these bullet points is that teachers cannot teach that capitalism, free market, or the free industry, or any other related economic system are inherently racist. They cannot teach that the Commonwealth or the United States is fundamentally or systemically racist or sexist. So in other words, teachers in the state of Virginia can be fined up to $250 and lose their license for teaching the truth. The proposed bill would create punishments for those who violate the law, reading as follows. Any individual, including any school board member who knowingly and intentionally violates any provision of this section is guilty of a Class 4 misdemeanor, and in the case of a school board employee may be terminated or, as applicable, have his license revoked. I noticed you guys didn't put his or her. Have his license revoked or suspended in accordance with all relevant policies, regulations, and laws. Once again, a Class 4 misdemeanor carries up to a $50 fine in Virginia. They are literally going after teachers. Literally going after teachers. Why? They don't want their own history being taught. And, and, if you're uneducated, you're easier to control. If they can control what the teachers teach the next generation, the next generation is going to be easier to control. Now, I mentioned Florida. What's going on in Florida? America's incubator of butt sweat and theme parks. <sighs> Sorry, I always rip on Florida, but the state is essentially one giant convenience store parking lot paved over a swamp that features a daily meth deal. I mean, come on. Florida Governor Ron the Grim Reaper DeSantis has advanced a bill that would ban making white people feel bad about racism. No, that's not a joke. A bill backed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis that would prohibit public schools and private businesses from inflicting quote-unquote discomfort, unquote, on white people during lessons or training sessions about discrimination was approved by the state's Senate Education Committee, its first hurdle before becoming a law. The bill, SB 148, seemingly grew out of the conservative hysteria over critical race theory, which, as a reminder, is an academic concept based on the idea that racism is not about individual people's prejudice, but about institutions and policies. It does not, as GOP lawmakers and their partners in the right-wing media would have you believe, teach that all white people are racist. As another reminder, CRT is not actually being required in elementary, middle, or high schools, but you wouldn't know that by watching Fox News. 
which would have viewers believe that teachers are telling white kindergartners to turn over their allowances reparations, for fuck's sake. The bill, sponsored by State Senator Manny Diaz Jr., reads in part, quote, an individual, by virtue of his or her race or sex, does not bear responsibility for actions committed in the past by other members of the same race or sex. An individual should not be made to feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other forms of psychological distress on account of his or her race. Do some snowflakes need a safe space? A conversation made you feel uncomfortable so you had to pass a law? They're hurting my feelings. Democrats have argued that such a bill would lead to frivolous lawsuits and basically equate to censorship. And I don't disagree with that. Who's to stop some white kid in a classroom from just going, Hey, they were talking about slavery and it made me feel uncomfortable. I'm going to need a solid two-hour nap, a Toblerone, and an eyedropper of blood thinner to get over this one. When asked for real-life examples of schools or businesses telling students or employees that they are inherently racist because of the color of their skin, the Republican counterparts could come up with none. Quote, this bill's not for blacks. This bill was for any other race, said State Senator Shervin Jones. Quote, this was directed to make whites not feel bad about what happened years ago. At no point did anyone say white people should be held responsible for what happened. But what I would ask my white counterpart is, are you an enabler of what happened? Or are you going to say we must talk about history? End quote. At a news conference last month, DeSantis, who has designs on running for the White House in 2024, called critical race theory, quote, crap, unquote, and vowed to pass legislation allowing parents to sue schools and employees to school employers if they are made to listen to such a thing. I guess when you're racist as fuck and control the levers of powers, you can just pass legislation protecting yourself from feeling, quote, unquote, discomfort after centuries of people of color feeling far more than that. Think about this for a minute. We have a racist past in this country. Does that mean you, as a white person, are racist? No. Does that mean you, as a white person, are racist? No. Does that mean you, as a white person, are racist? No. It means that we have, as a nation, a racist past. To discuss it as part of our history is not an inaccurate portrayal of our historical significance in the world. If that makes you feel uncomfortable, instead of racing to pass laws to protect your little feelings, maybe you should work on being better human fucking beings! The fuck your feelings crowd has passed legislation to protect their feelings. Literally.
I am floored that this is what state-level Republicans are focusing on. Floored. I get the trying to go after your vote thing because they're going to lose election after election after election after election as the demographics in this country continue to shift away from the color white. But to say we can't even talk about the racist past in this country lest it make some fucking kid in class feel uncomfortable is fucking ridiculous. You want to know what makes kids feel uncomfortable in class? Being picked on for their skin color. Being made to feel like second-class citizens. Being treated like others because they're gay or transgender or lesbian or black or Hispanic or Asian. That kind of shit makes people feel uncomfortable. Telling our own history is something we need to do. And sometimes... Telling your own history is going to make you uncomfortable. Do you think I'm comfortable every time I talk about my racist past? No, I'm not. It's not there for me to feel comfort. It's there for me to tell the truth. It's there for me to acknowledge what happened. It's there for me to say, I know what went on. I acknowledge what went on, and I'm going to work on being a better person in the future. And we should all work on being a better society in the future. That's all this is. But the Republicans are all up in their fucking fields. So they got to race to the legislative desk and pass new laws to protect their feelings. Hypocrisy, thy name is the Republican Party. Ladies and gentlemen, I couldn't make this shit up if I tried. You know it's true. I know it's true. Everybody who hates my fucking guts but listens to this podcast knows it's true. It's one of the most stunning pieces of legislation I've ever seen in my entire life. You can't hurt my feelings by telling the truth. Otherwise, you're going to go to jail. You're going to lose your job. You're going to be fined. What a bunch of fucking cupcakes. What a bunch of absolute, panty-waisted, trouser-wearing, bath-taking, poodle-walking cupcakes. What's wrong, Ronnie? I thought you'd man that shit up a little bit. Nah, not you. Maybe you've been spending a little bit too much time over at the Fallwells house, huh? Anyway, that's all I got for you guys this week. Um, this is the last podcast episode of January. You fucking believe that shit? The la- Hang on a second. Let me pull up my fucking calendar right now. <clears throat> yeah. We've only got two more podcast episodes to go until Valentine's Day. And can I tell you something? I have zero fucking clue what to get my wife for Valentine's Day this year. Like, none whatsoever. So, <sighs> raw dick it is again, I guess. I don't know. Um, But anyway, 
put that down. We're done with that. That's all I got for you guys this week. Uh, tune in next week for a whole new episode. And thank you for being patient with how late this episode was. I did not record it on Thursday as normal. I woke up on a Friday morning and recorded it. I'm actually wrapping this up now at 10.25 a.m. my time. So let me get this thing done and out to you guys to enjoy. Until next week, as always, stay grateful. <laughs>